In this episode of Rough Talks, I speak with Brandon Deloach, the 57th DSVC president from 2012 to 2014. Now, on to the show. So hopefully you have a nightcap with you. Um. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Should I? That'd be fantastic. Not a, that, now that would be an interesting uh, podcast. Yeah. DSVC drinks. So how were you introduced to the DSVC and what made you think that you should become a member? Oh, well, through before there was a national student show, uh, DSVC had always put on like a smaller regional, um, like student conference, and it wasn't a big like three day affair or anything like that. But it was they still had the show, and everybody came down. And I went to a small school in Arkansas, and so um, uh, that that was one of the um, events that our school always went to, and uh, that's honestly where I saw like the most real live designers, you know, we did the studio tours, we did the uh, portfolio reviews, um, and DSVC put the whole thing on. And honestly, that was, um, uh, uh, the reason uh, I was able to kind of have the goal of, of the career that I'm aiming towards still. So, um, uh, to me, they were, the design organization that I was looking up to. Uh, the, my first goal was to help out with student show. Uh, and then after, after a while, just to, to meet other people, because I didn't immediately jump right into a studio with lots of designers. It was the only way for me to socialize with people that, you know, understood how hard it was to be a designer and how little money we made. And, <laughs> you know, people you could joke about uh, ugly type with. Right. Between you graduating and then you becoming president, like how did that path go about? Like, uh, there's a, a lot of wandering in the wilderness. I actually didn't get a design job after I graduated for, I would say it was nearly two years of doing, um, not design. Um, the furthest thing from it sometimes. Um, and then once I had design jobs, even then, um, uh, I, they, they, they weren't, they weren't, uh, anything I was like proud of or any, um, or anything that I felt like, uh, made me a real designer. So I actually stayed away for a while. Um, I was, I guess I was sort of waiting for, I was waiting for design legitimacy because I thought like you had to be at least, you know, at some level of a designer as a professional before, um, you were supposed to go to meetings. Otherwise people would ask you what you do and you'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to tell them that you weren't the real thing. But, uh, uh, I guess after a while I realized that that's really, really stupid. I'm never going to meet anybody. I'm never going to get anywhere if I don't, um, jump in. So I started volunteering, uh, a little bit with like, I think I hung the student show. And then the first thing I remember that I did was I just out of nowhere, they, I, w I started going to meetings and just sitting at the back and being real quiet and leaving right before, <laughs> as soon as it was over. 
and uh, answered a call to to help out with uh, Dallas show. And I hung the Dallas show actually for the 50th anniversary, which is funny. Um, and that was the first thing I was involved in. And uh, I never really got off the board from there. I just, was just once once you uh, say you'll do something and you show up, um, that gets a lot of attention, as you know. And so once you made it to the board, like what were your responsibilities then before? I know eventually you ran the student show, but before you did that. Uh, so the first thing I did was uh, um, a ton of volunteering, mostly with um, Dallas shows because I thought, I thought that was very cool uh, to help out with judging and hanging Dallas show. Just lots of background work, just, you know, organizing stuff and just being a pair of hands. Uh, and then I was at uh, a little company called Marblehead uh, that this guy, Jay Ramirez, had started and had asked me to be involved in. And he'd also asked uh, my buddy, Blake Elshire, uh, to be involved too. And we were both at the meeting and out of nowhere, they just said, like, we don't know what to do. We need, we need anybody that knows how to work with Drupal, which is a content management uh, system that DSPC site was currently doing. And so we were like, oh my gosh, well, I, I mean, I don't know shit about that, but Blake does. And so um, <laughs> uh, I said, well, let's go, let's go see what we can do. Maybe we can help him out. Cause you know, the site was, I think, developed by some people that weren't involved anymore. And uh, this guy, Michael Griffith was trying to keep it, keep it afloat. And he was the interactive chair at the time. And so he brought us in and talked to, and he like he basically just needed some some stuff relinked or reput back together or like updated in some small way. And um, I decided to like redesign the website, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I talked Blake into it. And um, uh, the economy was crashing, so we didn't really have anything else to do, uh, or not much else to do. And so uh, we showed up in like two weeks. To Michael and said like, "Hey, um, we redesigned your whole website, um, <laughs> and we've done like some comps. We didn't like develop it or anything, but we'd done a bunch of comps. And Blake and I had like worked it all out, and uh, we brought it in there. And of course, like Jay was super cool and said like, yeah, man, whatever, <laughs> whatever it takes. Maybe we'll get some business out of it.' Michael thought it was great. Brought it to the board, um, and I mean, before we knew it, we were like in charge of reworking the entire DSVC website and launched it a couple months later. Um, and uh, then Michael said, Hey, why don't you be the interactive chair of the board? I'm going to step down. And so uh, I kind of got thrust into it. He asked me to like go to a couple meetings, which I thought were going to be these like closed door, like super official affairs, but. I found out quickly. It was just mm -hmm. people just like me trying to figure it out. Before long, the website ended up being a huge center for every piece of uh, the club because it was how we were communicating and how we were like keeping up with membership and how we were announcing meetings. And um, you know, since we'd since we'd done the site, we knew how to do the content, and um, we we ended up being like like basically. Uh, full-time editors of this giant online publication that was dsvc.org for a couple of years. Um, so anyway, that was my, that was my way in. Um, and then, you know, every single piece of the club ended up needing how, you know, we had to put golf tournament stuff on. We had to put student show stuff on. We had to put um, Dallas show stuff on all the speakers were on there. So 
you know, met everybody and got involved in everything pretty quickly. And yeah, from there I, uh, I started meeting everybody, which was cool. Well, and it seemed that, that you were there at that time where, um, things were starting to change from, um, being very print oriented to being, having the DSVC having more of an online presence. It was a, as a weird thing to like stumble into because all of a sudden everybody's like, Hey, uh, everybody on earth needs a website, um, including the, the club. So for a long time, the club had like nurtured this like incredible ecosystem of like some of the best designers, printers, you know, in the business and done all these like gorgeous books that I never got to be a part of. And I was really sad about it. Um, and yeah, that was all in the process of, of going away right around the time I was getting involved in the club. Um, and it all, it all kind of like was exposed when the economy got to the point where everybody was running out of money. So I think it had been in decline for a while, but you know, everybody was doing well. And then when the economy went sideways, I think everybody looked around and said, I don't know if (laughs) we have to print as much as we were printing. And so I think all the budgets moved to the interactive work and it's really tough on the club and, um, really been tough on the design community as a whole. But, you know, they said that Prince dying, but it's still there. So <laughs> I, I'm, I it seems like such a shocking headline to put somewhere just to say like, Oh, the Prince died. It's, it, 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 that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's, um, I think that luckily a lot of like shitty print is dying. Um, and I wish there was more gorgeous print, you know, going on. But I think that the things that the things that are printed, for the most part, I mean, uh, direct direct mail and whatever, you know, you know, instant digital stuff with your name on it from you know whatever gross mattress store, you know, that still exists a little bit. But um, I, I I love that, like when people print, they think about all the different crazy techniques they can put into it. Um, uh, like alternatives to just plain old offset printing, you know, that you're seeing more and more of, um, which is very cool. And honestly, I mean, I was just at the show, uh, a couple months back. Um, and everything I saw in print was like just staggeringly beautiful in a way that it wouldn't have been if it was just being printed on, giant presses i mean uh, the creativity that goes into like you know i guess the excitement of like printing something um is really cool and it it kind of seems like you know the things that do get printed you know the things that uh people touch you know that more is expected all the time because the tools to produce stuff at a high quality keep going up and up and up you know when you can do digital printing um for like a direct mailer that comes to my house that looks pretty good. You know, the, the bar is raised for people that, um, are trying to like, wow, people, you know, like trying to like impress with, you know, a really nice menu or a really nice poster. So you've got to do something even better. 
And right. I mean, if you're going to spend the money, you might as well go all out. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I also noticed that, like, <laughs> you know, like the runs that I used to hear about people, they was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're printing like, you know, 30,000 books or something, which just seems absolutely crazy to me. I cannot, you know, it's like four days straight of press checks, you know, which I, by the way, just always, always wanted to do and never got to do. And, you know, all these like just, you know, crazy epic stories that people tell. You know, a lot of times now, like anything I've printed, everybody's like, can we just do a thousand or something? So you almost have to be creative in how you produce it and think like, well, how can it be even cooler now that it can be, it's a small run. Like what advantages do we have because we're only doing a thousand? Um, so yeah, I mean, you're going to spend the money. Let's do it right. Um, um, I wish I got to do it right more. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, talking about physical artifacts and and print and you know the the dsbc has produced a lot of great design pieces over the years from posters to rough and invites uh is there anything that stood out to you oh man i mean everyone you ask this question is gonna like say like all the crazy print magazines from you know the late 90s early 2000s when i was a student they would set up you know, these tables of print magazines and, you know, like (laughs) once you're on the board, when you see a table of print magazines, you think like, Oh my gosh, there's like a mountain of boxes we have to organize. But when you're a kid, that swag that you just, you know, you just see piles of once you're a professional designer all the time is like gold. It's like the best thing you've ever seen printed because everything that we have is garbage and this is all like like creative and crazy so i just like you know threw everything i could in my backpack just like all students do and um um you know took them home and poured over them and and uh checked out how they were done i remember there was a an issue on design education um that was just a bunch of of essays and for whatever reason i remember like made a new house had written this like really long essay and I don't remember too much about how it was like printed or any crazy printing techniques. I remember the layout was somewhat interesting and like it was an oddball size or something, but it was just so readable. (laughs) I was like, wow, this is like, I'm dyslexic. So like, I'm very sensitive to that sort of thing. And I was like, I'm really pouring through this. This is great. And, um, it actually looked a lot like, uh, the early ESP in the magazine, um, issues that had just come out, which were crazy. You know, it was like beautiful every single time and just kind of wild. Um, so I remember that and, um, yeah, uh, God, there's like been several posters that, um, that I've kept and had in my cubicle and been like sort of a fanboy of, I've really, um, I really love this like big oversized, uh, issue of rough that Paul Jardy did while he was at RSW. Um, and it was like, it was like 11 by 17, like tall, which was hysterical. And then um, I think for the same, he did the rough, because the rough used to correspond with the speaker coming. And that's how they announced the speaker, because there wasn't much of a website to do it on. And he also did the poster. And it was kind of in the same color scheme. They sort of matched, and it was for um, Chip Kid. And it was this really pretty poster, and it was really big. And he just... Chip Kid's a, 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 a known for book cover design even back then. And then this like real nice like off the computer kind of painted brush piece on top of these like paperback pages. 
And so it was probably really small and then just like scanned or photographed really well and blown up and it just had this like great, you know, like really um, like instantly recognizable look to it. It looked so spontaneous and cool and just caught your eye and, you know, it was really, really, it was really something. I was like, wow, that's, that's nothing like what I thought posters should be or posters could be. And it's like this, this club can do no wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Chip Kidd, the DSVC has brought in quite a few notable speakers and judges. Were there any that were memorable um, to you? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Ivan Shermave came in and I remember I was like, I'm going, I'm, that's, that's my guy. Like I, I love it. I love a nice simple logo. And this guy was like the king of that. And, you know, honestly, he wasn't like, you know, this like super charismatic public speaker or anything like that, but who cares? You know, it's like, I'm sure. And he had, uh, such a, such a, like a, um, such an intellectual approach to how he was getting these emotional responses. And, I really, I really liked that. I really thought like, wow, I just doesn't have to be like, you know, a bunch of idiots drinking and like, you know, screwing around on the computer coming up with whatever's cool, you know, all due respect to people who do that. Um, I love the thought process behind it. And at the time, um, I hadn't been able to work with anybody uh, who um, had taken me through that process. So I was just sort of learning based on, honestly, based on DSVC meeting um, speakers and anything else I could get my hands on to read. And so uh, that was a big eye opener. I, I loved that. And uh, I had to, I remember I had to sit on like the steps of this like big auditorium at City Place where they used to, before we were at the theater, we were at this like City Place kind of. I don't know what you call it, like giant meeting room. It looked like a big um, like college lecture hall or something. And it was like so packed by the time I got there and I came straight from work and I just like got to sit on one of these steps and like my butt fell asleep. And it's like, I didn't even get, I had my like bag with me with my laptop and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, I didn't care. It was great. I, I, I mean, when I was first involved and they're like, all right, who wants to, I mean, for, for people that don't know, like, Basically, the board for a long time just over the summer says, all right, what are we doing this year, guys? We need, you know, nine speakers and everybody just goes for it. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And not knowing that it's a tremendous pain in the ass, you just have to call people and, you know, get up the nerve to call people and then call people and follow up with them and try to talk these people into like coming to Dallas for no one. I was crazy nervous. And, um, I was like, I want to bring in this guy, Aaron Draplin. <laughs> and I don't think, it, I mean, he was like, he was a, he was a national figure of some sort, I suppose. At that point, um, I knew about him because he was like fast on YouTube um, in early days. And he was associated with uh, Kudal and Partners, who I actually was following before because I'd seen them at South by Southwest because I was knee deep in interactive stuff whether i wanted to be or not and they're the ones that got they got together and made field notes and that was first that was like first launching and like draplin had this like crazy website where he was blogging all the time and like not many people were doing that 
And I was like, this guy's cool. He's got something to say. And he'd just done this like little video where he like set a world record for the F word and about like um, some bad, bad hotel signage or something. I was like, uh, we need, we need to hear what he has to say, man. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. He sounds crazy. And so I call, yeah, I was freaking out. I called him and dude, he's just like, he's just a guy trying to make it. I mean, I called him and he was like, just on his way to work or something, you know, just driving along. He's like, Oh yeah, man, I think I can make it. You know, it was like, it wasn't important. He's like, yeah, it sounds fun. That'd be cool. And of course I like, looking <laughs> back on it, like someone says like, Hey, we're going to fly you to Dallas and like buy you dinner and take you around and do whatever you want. And like a bunch of, uh, designers want to hear what you have to say. Of course you're going to say yes. I mean, if you can make it, um, it sounds like a lot of fun. And, um, so the coolest part is you get to pick him up from the airport, you know, you're, if you, whoever mm-hmm. your speaker is, you, you pick them up and kind of take them around for the day. And like, kind of think you're the, you're the host of the city. Mm-hmm. And so, so I picked him up and he's from Portland and I talked to him a little bit ahead of time about what he wanted to do. And he was kind of noncommittal, you know? And so, um, once he finally showed up, I'm like, well, that's Aaron Draplin. He's like, much bigger than me. <laughs> it's like he's a big guy, and he's also like probably like six two or six three, and I'm like maybe five seven because my hair is a little messed up on top. And <laughs> so I'm like, wow, he's a big dude. Um, and he's like, hey, how's it? You know, he was like mm-hmm. the nicest guy in the whole world. It's perfect, perfect, perfect first timer because he's like a nice extrovert, um, which helps me get the conversation going. And. He's like, I want to go. He like, he knew what he wanted to do. It was totally mm-hmm. cool. He like, basically interviewed me the whole time. He like, he wanted to go to Whataburger. He wanted to go to the Grassy Knoll. And he said that he's he's from Portland. He said, I don't want to eat anything organic or anything <laughs> from a locally sourced place the whole time I'm here. He's like, I want to eat some like shitty like chicken fried steak or whatever. So. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I took him, uh, I took him to Whataburger cause that's where he wanted to go and took a thousand pictures of all the Whataburger signage. Uh, he loved it. He knew all about Whataburger. It was crazy. Um, and, um, we didn't even eat there. We just took pictures for like 20 <laughs> minutes. It was like really not great Whataburger. Nice. It was the first one we saw. And then, um, um, I took him to the grassy knoll <laughs> and like, I for real almost didn't get him out of there in time to go to the, the, the meeting. Um, but, and like most speakers are like, you know, like they want to go to their room, you know, for a couple of hours and like chill out, you know, they've been flying from wherever. And a lot of them like want to like finish their talks <laughs> because like, well, behind, behind the scenes, like a lot of them are like, oh shit, I got to finish my deck or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, we never even went. He was just like, I want to do stuff. I want to do stuff. He was like really open to it. And then he gets into the meeting and he like has like probably an hour and a half slideshow ready to go that he is completely customized for Dallas. Like it was, it was incredible. The work ethic. I was like, man, that's, that's pretty great. Like that's, that's what it is. Like the energy and like the gusto he's putting into every single aspect of what he's doing in design from like meeting somebody that picks him up from the airport to like getting as much as he can out of, you know, his trip to Dallas. Cause who knows when he's going to go back to like, putting together a gigantic slideshow. I mean, it was an hour and a half, but not just because he was like talking for an hour and a half. He had 
easily a hundred slides in that thing. And there was like tons of stuff referencing Dallas and like Dallas photos from mm-hmm. um, like Google image search and like all of this, like cost. I mean, it was clearly for us. It was really cool. Um, um, and then he kind of became a big deal after that. So I was like, wow, we caught him on the way up. I don't know if he could have made it cause now he's like a big time speaker, but that was, that was, that was a, like one of my best times in in the club. Nice, nice. It, it, it does seem that the DSVC has a tendency of um, bringing in people before they get super big. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's like when you have a young board, you know, especially um, you know with so much social media, like people hear about people really fast, and you know. They're like, this guy's really cool. Let's get him. Let's get him. And, you know, they're right. He turns out to be, you know, he or she turns out to be somebody like really big later, which is cool. Also, like once they get big time, I don't think they come see us anymore. And they're like, ah, it's hot there. <laughs> Unless they know somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we got to get them on their way up. So during your term, what was... What was important to you or what were you hoping to achieve as president? <laughs> Man. All right. So like, honestly, by the time I was, was there, I was just like, I just don't want to let, you know, the tradition down. You know, this is I, I owe a lot of my career to this place, you know, and, you know, so many important people have loved this club for so long and have done so much to keep it going. You know, I, it's my, it felt more like it was like my watch not to like burn the place down. I mean, as far as, I mean, that was first and foremost, it's like good speakers every single time. I don't want anybody to go like, man, what happened to the club? (laughs) You know, like I want people to go like, man, it's still going. This is awesome. Like there's still like good stuff for like, uh, for young designers to come see. There's always something interesting. The show's good. Um, the meetings are good. Student shows rolling. Yeah. That, that was really important to me. Um, the, I guess because I was such a outsider in the club for so long, it was a big goal for me to shed some light on how the club operates and how like how much of a volunteer organization it is and how much it is just, you know, people just like you sitting around, you know, a table, you know, when they could be doing anything else for a couple hours, once a month, trying to figure stuff out. And then, you know, during work and after work, you know, several nights a week, as you and everybody else who's been involved knows, you know, volunteering tons of time, just trying to figure stuff out, trying to, you know, get speakers in, you know, get things confirmed, get schedules put together. Um, and I, I felt like whenever I talked to anybody who had never been involved, uh, there was a big perception of this like insiders club. And that there was like this like real designer and it was like these real designers Mm -hmm. or these like, you know, elitist designers that were, it was like a very self-serving insiders thing. And, you know, I felt that way to a certain degree. I was like, man, I I mean, that's why I didn't want to go. I was like, I don't really think I deserve this sort of thing yet. Um, I'd I'd love to get there one day, but maybe I'm not uh, ready for like, uh, you know, the big kids table. Um, And once I got there, I was like, no, these are people just like me, just trying to figure it out. And there's no exclusivity. This is a completely open organization. Mm -hmm. It's made by volunteers and it's made by the people who um, are willing to do it. And so 
I remember one of the most troubling things to me was were people's discussions in offices that I've been in that um, the Dallas show in particular was like a real insiders, you know, uh, um, thing where the people that were involved and the people that bought table, you know, the studios that bought tables and the, um, um, the people that um, were on the board and the studios that they worked at, you know, always got preferential treatment, basically had an inline, um, mm-hmm. like an inside track to, you if know, they only knew. awards. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, 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 I've been volunteering. And like, people are so incredibly careful about keeping this above board, you know? And so I was on a pretty good mission to refine that process, not the way it was done, but the way it was discussed so that nobody could say like, Oh, this is all just a big fix. You know, it's just who, you know, it's like, no, this is a merit based thing and it's extremely hard, but it's also extremely fair. I mean, you know, it's like sealed doors closed off. And I tried to get as many young people to volunteer for that as I could because they're, you know, basically just putting out work. They're not really talking or doing anything else, but they're also like seeing and hopefully going back and talking to other people saying like, man, I was there for the whole weekend and I don't have a clue who won. (laughs) You know, I don't know what's going on. You know, I just know that, you know, they were taking it super seriously and it was really strenuous and boring. (laughs) which is exactly what I wanted. So um, as far as goals go, that was it. So what were you most proud of, of your time with the DSVC? Most proud of? Oh, man. Um, For the entire two years I was president, uh, we had a speaker every single month. I mean, it sounds super stupid to people who've never been involved because they think, of course there was a speaker, you know? But, (laughs) oh, man, they're... um, there almost isn't a speaker all the time. It's it's the uh, the sheer will of a small group of people to get there. I I was honestly happy to like achieve what I was talking about as the first goal, which was just to like on my watch keep things rolling and um, uh, not let the people who had run the club before me down. So that now that it was their time. You know, be audience members, to be civilians, that they could enjoy it. Um, and I was really happy we were able to do that. I thought, I thought, I thought we did a good job. Good board, very good board. I loved, I loved having them around. I mean, every time it was like board meeting night, I remember thinking like, oh my god, this is another night where I'm never going home. But you know, once I was in the meeting, I was like, man, this these people are all like doing the very best they can, and I. <laughs> It's it's really something to be around. Being involved with the with the club and being president, how do you think that affected you, um, either personally or professionally? Well, I never. I I always thought like I've got to do DSPC because that's where I'll get a good job. I know a lot of people do that. I was never able to do that, but um, in like ways that I can't really measure. It was a way, it was an easy way for me to meet people around town, and. Once you kind of get the lay of the land, you realize what a small world it all is. And I think mentally that just makes it less intimidating. Uh, So, you know, while there's like lots of designers out there and always have been that do stuff that I'm like, well, I could never do that in a thousand years. At least I know them and I know that they're struggling with something else, you know? And I know that like, you know, people are all trying to make it, you know? Nobody feels like they're there. It's 
it's easy in a vacuum just to where, especially I think with social media, all you see is like resounding in success, you know, like nobody posts the next day about how like all their stuff didn't get into CA, you know, <laughs> it's all, it's only the people that do. And so that's sort of all you see, you know, all you see is like, you know, people on beaches and getting engaged and eating delicious dinners. And like, if you're a designer, you know, getting recognition for your design work or doing a really cool, you know, design piece that you want to show off. And so it's easy to think that like, that's all that goes on, you know, at places where you aren't or people who are, you know, doing things that you're not doing. So I think there's a lot of confidence in just, you know, like these are all just people, you know, they're, they're, you know, going home and paying bills and playing video games and doing what else, do doing whatever else from there. It made it a whole lot easier just to like settle down and focus on what I was doing. Where do you hope to see the, the future of the DSVC? I, I would love to see the Dallas show bigger. Um, I remember I got to go to the, the, the 50th anniversary show that I went to. Now they spent extra money sort of blowing that thing out, you know, and it was obviously a lot bigger to me cause it's the first thing I'd ever been to. So I just had like, you know, stars in my eyes and like, wow, it's so great. And I like, you know, like two little logos hanging up in the show <laughs> and like, you know, it, it was just, it was, just, it was cool to be there. And, but it seemed like this like monstrous, you know, golden globe level affair. And it was pretty nice. Um, it was like the, uh, the height of, uh, glitz and glamor. And I, I loved it. I loved it. And the idea of having a lot of studios, uh, not just from the Dallas area, but all over the state submit and making it a really big show where everybody comes together and, um, like it's really hard and the show's really good and, you know, they're giving out several medals, but it's because there's so many entries that that would be very, very cool for me to see. I, I went to the show this year and I didn't even have anything in it and I was thoroughly entertained. And so like the more stuff that could be in the show and the more interesting work it could see and the more, the more chances to come back and see everybody still hanging out, uh, the better. I'd, lo- I'd love to see that keep going. Is there anyone that, that you would want to see come back? Um, oh, yeah, man. Okay, so, uh, like, unfinished business come back. Um, uh, this guy, uh, Eddie Opara, he's, a, he's, a, um, he's a, a partner at Pentagram. But I ended up driving him. It was just me and him, and we were hanging out, and he, like, he was so fun to be around. He, was, like, he came from the interactive world but was, like, a really creative guy that just did interactive work as well, which is like kind of how I thought interactive work ought to be. And he had just become a Pentagram partner. And, you know, I, at first I was like, Oh man, I better, I gotta, I gotta play it real cool, you know, cause this is, this is a serious guy, but he like put me completely at ease, you know? And he was just such a nice guy. His talk was so smart and so cool. And, we were really getting along, hanging out. We got stuck in traffic. Uh, we went to dinner, and I was sitting a couple seats over from him. We were hanging out for a minute, mm-hmm. and then it was time to take him back. Like we were all done with dinner, and it was on like it's on you know meetings are on like a Wednesday night, and it was like ten forty five or something. We're wrapping up, <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me like, "Hey man, is this it? We're not going out." You know, everybody was taken off, and he's like, "He's like, let's go out." Like. Like who wants to go out and everything, and everybody's like bowing out, and I, 
I had just been like, I think I'd gotten like three hours of sleep the night before, like working on this thing. And I literally had to go home from like eating like uh, barbecue at smoke, which I can't really complain about. But I mean, and I was having to get up to go home and do like three or four hours of work. At least I was just dying, dying, dying. And I was like, oh shit, man, I could, like, I could totally be hanging out with Eddie. It's like this guy just wants to like chill and like go get some drinks. And he's like, he wants me to show him like a bar in Dallas. And I'm like, man, I have got to go get some work done. I'm so sorry. And so like for no other reason than my own selfish like uh, like need to try to hang out with Eddie Opar again, I want him to come back. Also, I want to hear what he's been doing because he was like just Pentagram partner um, like two months before when he came to speak. And he really didn't even have – anything from that to show so just to, to hear what he's been up to because he's so smart and everything he does i like so much but also because you know i owe him i owe him a night on the town and um that would have been great <laughs> is there any closing words anything you want to promote our young dsvc members i would say especially if you're afraid to talk to people and especially if you think that you know there's this big insiders club that you don't belong to just jump in and volunteer for something you know like ramsey knows for sure like they always need people to show up and and work hard and you know show up when you say you're going to show up and put your head down and do a good job and um you know, if, if you're a quiet person, you know, when you first meet people like I am, you know, that'll be easier because you'll have something to do and just do that a couple times and you'll meet people so fast and it's uh, so incredibly rewarding and, you know, you might get a job from it, but you'll certainly get a lot of perspective from it that you wouldn't have got before and you'll meet a lot of friends um, and it's, it's very cool to have design friends. I mean, if you are a creative person and, you know, care about it more than just as a paycheck, then it's nice to have people who can like understand uh, what you're doing and give you advice or just, you know, joke around with the, you know, you having the same sort of problems. Um, You should get involved. You really, really should get involved. Just do something to help out the club. Not because it's like, is your duty and you owe it to anybody or anything like that because it's just a waste not to, you know? Thanks go out to Glenn Ferguson for our intro music. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And thank you for listening.